Hey friends, this is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Chicast episode 63. And this is the third installment of the Survivor Series arc that I decided to do because there's so many amazingly strong people. And what's kind of effed up is that people that are survivors, whether they wear that title or not, have been made to feel like they have to be strong all the time. And so um, that causes weariness in and of itself. And I wanted to check in with one of my dear friends. She's like a little sister, Salam Afendige. She is also Nigerian, um, is a yogi, loves Jesus, and actually utilizes the teachings of Jesus in her life. I know that's kind of a little shade, but um, it's true. And one of the reasons I wanted to have her on this arc was because of some of the madness and hatred um, and vitriol that I noticed that she was experiencing as a result of her sharing some of her views on social media. And um, I ended up coming to her defense several times during that period and was saddened to see what I was noticing and experiencing with my own two eyes and it wasn't even directed towards me so before we get into that um welcome back to the show thank you Chidima. i'm really excited to be back so tell us if anyone is unaware of who you are who you are in your own words okay so i am salam day like Chidima said um i am a lawyer by profession um, but I also teach yoga and self-care classes, mostly to Black women now, and also to lawyers and other professionals looking to incorporate wellness into their careers. Um, I also, I love writing and just really embracing all the multifaceted aspects of who I am and whatever that looks like. Awesome. I love that. So take us back to kind of what I alluded to in my brief intro of you, um, that period of time for you in your life? Yeah, so I think a lot of it started really before the elections when things were starting to get serious. And I really decided to make an intentional decision to use my platform on social media to kind of voice perspectives that I've seen from the Black community, but also from like the immigrant community. And so I happen to be immigrant and an immigration attorney, um, but I also am like Nigerian born. And so because of that, I feel like I've always been able to bridge the gap between Africans and African-Americans and also between white people who see me, see my profession, run in the same circles and quote, have this perspective of you know, you're not really like the other black people that I meet. And so they feel safe with me more than they would feel with other, quote, black uh, people. Um, but I've also, because I'm Nigerian and because I really love American black culture, I've also been able to get into and get in community with some amazing African-Americans. And so I've always kind of been a bridge in that way. And so like right when the elections were coming up, um, I've kind of always been vocal about certain things, but I decided to take that up a little bit more of a notch from just personal conversations and small groups that I was in to actually being vocal on social media. And for me, it was very surprising how many people loved me and how many people you know, always resonated with the things that I had to say that suddenly kind of 
started attacking me and started slandering my reputation, um, sort of questioning my faith, my Christianity, you know, sending me messages that they used to have a lot of respect for me, but didn't have any respect for me anymore. Um, started talking behind my back in small groups of community. And these are people that I've done community with since I came to the United States. So they're people that have seen me grow up, they've known me, and it was just very shocking to me to see that people, when motivated by fear, will attack the things that they know to be true. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, something similar happened to me, and I was called, um, I said I was, I was told that I was no better than those in Nazi Germany because I had I held some pretty strong boundaries mm-hmm. um, and I have rules on my personal Facebook page and any other page that I manage. And these were people too, that I had been in a spiritual community um, in which I had been a part for at this point, I still am a part of it because it's a global community. Um, but I was involved locally in Las Vegas and then now here in Ann Arbor and people that I had known that had watched me grow up um, for the past 10 plus years, or at that point, almost 10 years or just past 10 years, started to attack me, like seek me out, seek out things that I had posted and troll and Uh verbally attack me by way of comments. Uh Um, So I totally can relate to what you experience. And I think that's one of the reasons for me, it was really important to lift you up during that period of time, along with others. It wasn't just me um, because I felt lifted up in certain uh, spaces. I mean, you have too, for me, um, where you kind of bridge the gap um, because someone is sharing a lived experience and someone, usually someone from the majority. So I'm going to say white people, not all. um, And even the fact that I had to clarify is problematic, right? Uh, Sometimes discount lived experience of people of color. Yeah. that's a little bit hard. Like that makes it hard because in the moment, like I can stand up for your lived experience quicker than I can stand up for my own lived experience because as I'm sharing it, there's already so much trauma that comes with living through the experience that you have to process on your own. And most of us, because we're, you know, empaths, great people always want to use our experiences as teachers for others we share those experiences before we've even had time to process it and find healing. And so when someone else attacks your lived experience that you haven't really totally processed and healed from, it like takes you back to the drawing board and it's re-traumatizing. And so it's harder to now have to explain your lived experience and then justify your lived experience and then explain that because you're human, you don't, like your humanity is grounds enough not to have a negative lived experience, you know, sure. and it, it tends to be easier for us to do that for other people than for us to do that for ourselves if we haven't gone through the whole healing process of that experience. Sure. Salam, what do you say to people who say that Black people or brown people or other marginalized communities need to kind of um, stop being victim or stop playing victim? What would you say to someone that would say that to you or has said that to you? Yeah, I think it's very disrespectful, honestly, because I think um, to some extent, there's so many systemic things. And my attempt at sharing my experiences is not 
for pity or for sympathy. So it's, it's just it's as a, an educational tool. So I feel like it's very disrespectful to someone who is trying to teach you based on your lived experiences to say, hey, you're using this to get, garner pity or sympathy. Because most times, most of us, at the moment of experiencing the racially motivated or you know, xenophobically motivated, whatever hateful offense or um, aggression you experience, we've survived that experience. So we're not sharing from a place of victimhood, we're sharing from a place of surviving that experience. And so when people try to bring that back and say, hey, by sharing this, you're going, you're playing the victim. I don't think that that's, I, I think that that's a false narrative, honestly, because you, people who share, share from a place of survival, unless someone I don't even know what it, what experience would be like for someone unless someone is still currently navigating that and they're still like if someone is currently being spiritually abused and they're sharing that but even then there's still a sense of survival that has come from that and there's still a sense of resilience and i think when people say that they're quick to judge the experiences of the people without seeing them as resilient survivors of that experience sure yeah it reminds me of i saw a post once and someone was saying that they were going like willingly into the church that had been spiritually abusive and i was thinking well why (laughs) so i don't understand that personally um and i don't mean to be judgmental i just honestly have a question mark about that so in instances like that where i'm directly walking into but i can't help but to live in my skin Exactly. Right. And so that is not an affront to you. It is, this is how I was created. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And I cannot remove my skin to appease Mm -hmm. someone else or to make someone feel more comfortable or to, um, you know, I don't have that option. That is not a privilege in which I enjoy. And so um, sometimes it is hard to hear stuff like that. So when all of this was kind of happening for you, Salam, what what led you to, or what was the pathway to, from that point around election to more recently, um, your own hiatus that I'll let you explain, and then coming back? Yeah, so after that, so like post-election, like I, I just, I think the day of the election, or the yeah, the day of the election, when the results were out, I, I went to bed, didn't watch the elections, woke up the next morning, and there was just a heaviness on my heart. And I I cried. I didn't really do anything productive on that day. Um, I went to the salon because shout out to black hair salons that just give you your life. Um, and I just, I grieved. And then I shared something and someone responded to a comment. It was It was like a comment about being sad. It was me like sharing a little bit of hey, you know, today made me really sad or yesterday's results made me really sad. And someone commented and was like, but you're not even American. Just something that that was insensitive. And after that, the post just kept getting more insensitive and more insensitive. Um, I remember like I'd done, after the executive order on immigration and the immigration ban came out, it posted, um, no, I hadn't posted. I like helped a lot of immigrants that were going through that. Um, I'd gotten interviewed for one of our statewide magazine articles sharing about my work, and this was in a very professional capacity. Read through the comments on the interview, and there were things all the way from like, go back to Africa, we'll get your lawyer license taken out because you're helping illegals. Just so many things of people that were so not knowledgeable about the immigration system attacking my character. Um, that was on Valentine's Day. And it just all the way in April, I remember like 
there was a series of attacks every Tuesday for like the month of April. I would say something really light, really funny, not heavy, not controversial in my book, but people would just use that as an opportunity to attack my character to say things. And it was comical because every Wednesday I would go to my counselor and sure enough, for the month of April, every Tuesday, there was something that had happened on social media that was just very attacking that really sent me back. Um, and so after that happened in April, um, in May, I decided that I was going to take a sabbatical from social media. And I would be gone at least 40 days, probably more, and just take a break and not feel the pressure to be an activist on social. And I like that was really hard for me because... I believe in people who have voices using their voices in a way that makes the world better. And so it was really hard for me to step back, but I knew that I needed to do it for my soul. Like I, I read, I read a poem by one of my favorite poets that says, you know, you're not, you're not running. You're just taking a break for now. And that's okay. Something along those lines. And so I said that to myself over and over again, until I felt confident enough to back off of social media um, and just go be carefree. And um, I think some of the things that helped me were people like you, like so, several of my friends. I actually had a couple of white, white friends that really reinforced my humanity to me because I think when you're in the middle of fighting, when you're in the middle of, it's just like you feel like you can take whatever is being directed at you because there are people that you love that you stand in between. And so when you take that, it doesn't get to them. The violence stays with you. It doesn't get to the people that you're advocating for. So in my case, immigrants, in my case, um, African-Americans, like I could, I, I was one step removed from most of the trauma that they were facing. And so I put myself in that middle ground to take a lot of the trauma. And so just having friends that would say to me, hey, you know, you're a human too. You deserve to not go through this or you deserve to have someone stand in between you and the trauma that's coming to you. And you deserve to like take care of yourself and shut down that kind of led to me wanting to take a sabbatical and really I was going to be traveling to Africa. So I timed it like in time for my travel to Africa. And while I was there, I didn't check email. I didn't check Facebook. I'd gotten on Instagram a few times, but just really signed off of social and really set an intention to connect to the present moment and to surround myself with people that love me. And that just changed things for me. Like it gave me lots of time to be introspective, to grieve, to be upset, to look at the world and look at people in all the <laughs> peopleness, to look at the divine and really talk to God and to see how Jesus dealt with a lot of the things that he dealt with, to see the Bible as a book that was written for people who were the underdog. I think that was key for me um, to recognize that the Bible, that Jesus came as a catalyst against the superpower, the military superpower of his day. And so seeing Jesus as someone who was in so many ways like me, but one of the first times ever was really refreshing. And so those, those things kind of helped me build me back up again. So when I was ready to come back to social, um, I felt refreshed and I felt like I built an ar armor from the words of people. And so that whatever they were saying, I, I was able to build myself to be strong enough so that they couldn't get to me as quickly as they would before. Sure. Yeah. That I, that's really important to highlight because, um, Another frequent 
guest, John Pavlovitz, always, you know, one, one thing I remember him saying during the first interview I did with him was that for him, it's really important. Self-care for him has been, um, besides spending time with loved ones and doing the things that he enjoys that he's passionate about, apart from advocacy, apart from uh, the activism in which he's engaged, um, his writing uh, and drinking wine, you know, and, you know, the good stuff. But he has had an opportunity to maintain who he is, you know, speaking with people, true tellers in his life Mm -hmm. that actually speak life into his life. Um, You know, trusted closed mouth friends that have kept him grounded so that regardless of how many things are retweeted or, you know, how many of his posts are shared on social media, he is able to maintain integrity with who he is Uh and stay um, clear about his own identity, um, whether people like him or they don't, Uh you know? And so I really enjoy, I have a, it's probably vintage now. (laughs) She (laughs) she does just this t-shirt that says speak, speak life. Right. And um, it's really important to, maintain community with people who do speak life into our lives. Um, People that we trust that have earned the right to hear our story, according to, you know, Brené Brown and can keep it real. I was, I mean, I was Marco polling just a minute ago um, with Stephanie, one of my dearest friends. uh, And she was telling me stuff and she had texted me, like Sunday or something, something that I screenshotted so that I remember Mm -hmm. so that when the lie comes into my mind of some part of my life, I remember what the truth is, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes our people are the very thing that actually is the truth because we're not allowing ourselves to kind of go there for whatever reason. So, um, so how does self-care, what has, what has changed about self-care or how do you self-care now compared to the last time we spoke that may or may not be different? Um, I think for me, like self-care now has become giving myself a lot more grace. Like for me, self-care has evolved from just doing these things that make me feel good to like staying soft and also giving myself the grace to not have the perfect self-care events planned. So at first, I think when we talked, I had like a self-care schedule. So I would get a massage once a month, get like just, I had these strict things that I put in place to help me self-care. And I've seen over the past um, three, four months since I really have redefined self-care for me or gone deeper into self-care. It's for me, it's looked like if I have a day that I'm off, allowing myself to be in that day that I'm off and not, trying to numb or not trying to make myself be anything that I'm not in that present moment. Just to be there, to feel that feeling, to find the divine in that feeling, in that moment, and just to be, to, to bear witness to myself. And so in, in a lot of the ways that that reflects itself, it's probably me journaling more. It's me respecting my boundaries more. Um, like you said, it's me surrounding myself with people who have known me. It's me letting go of people who are here 
who like the idea of me but don't like me. Um, sure. It's evolved in so many different ways, but I think it's above all is just giving myself permission and giving to, to be soft and giving myself grace for what I need in that moment without judging or shaming or criticizing myself. So can you go into a little bit deeper in case someone's listening who is thinking that that piece that you just shared resonates with them? Mm-hmm. People who like the idea of you but don't like you. Can you kind of go yes. a little bit deeper with that? So I think most of us, we put up a front so that we are likable. Like not a front, but just a persona of ourselves. And we share, most of us are pretty good people. Like, you know, we have people who like us. We like people, we have people who are on our social media pages, like what we share, who think we're funny. Um, And some of us are even a lot more vulnerable on social or in our interactions so that people like us. But I've found that most of the people that say they like us just like the idea of us. Like they're not ready to be with you in the middle of your trauma. They're not, they're there for what you have to give to them. So your friendship to them is always in their own self-interest. Um, and, you know, most people would argue that everyone really is only looking for their self-interest, but I've found that there are people who really would put your self-interest above theirs for some times. You know, they love themselves well enough to love you. And most people that don't love themselves, for me, if someone doesn't have self-care or doesn't love themselves deeply, I know that they don't have the capacity to love me because the same way from which they love themselves is the way that they reflect that love back to you. And so I think I realized that for what that looked like, people who like the idea of me are people who support my work, people who like what I do for them. Um, Because that's just a part, that's a part of who I am, but still that's just a part of who I am. But the people who go deep into my soul, who have seen a part of my soul and still stay and still keep coming back and still want to ask questions, who have given me time, who have given themselves time to get to know me, who have invested, I would say, all the ways that, you know, we've all heard about the love languages, who have in some ways very practically shown and spoken all the love languages to me over a period of time. I think those are the people that I have found that don't just like the idea of me, but they like who I am as a person. And as I've begun to self-care and as I've begun to love myself better in deeper ways, I've found that it's nice to surround yourself with people who like the idea of you because they see a part of you and they, you know, they, they blow it up and they praise the things that you do. And they're very affirming of those other parts of you. But their affirmation is very limited because they only see a part of you. They only see one area of what you do. But the people who see everything, who see your writing, who see your activism, who see your advocacy, who see your work, who see your messy room, who see like everything that's going on and they still choose to love you and to be there. Those are your people. Sure. And that takes time. I think it takes time to really sift through Um, And what I found previously is I was really into the people that I had an instant connection with, um, the people that I would meet and we could stay up all night talking for hours and hours. Um, But as I've just given people time and I've given myself time, I found that some of those people haven't been there to stay. And the people that have been there to stay are the people that the connection was kind of a little bit slower to build and it took time and we didn't talk all the time. 
But when we did, you know, they saw me and I felt okay to be vulnerable with them and they were vulnerable with me. And then they came back and then I went back, you know, over time, we just kept building and they support my work and I support their work and just every part of me and every part of them, no matter how different it is, they've sought it out and they've wanted to know that part. And I've also wanted to know that part of them. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, community is so incredibly important. So what do you say to anyone that is kind of finding themselves at a crossroads in terms of who they thought they were surrounded by and where they themselves want to go? What would be your encouragement? I would say give it time and grieve the loss of certain people. Um, There were people that I was so sure would be in my life forever that I've lost. Um, and that is incredibly painful because they know so much about me and they, they could literally destroy me with the information that they have because they, they've known me and I've let myself be vulnerable with them. But giving them grace and trusting the person that they were and trusting the person that I was at the time that they were able to hold a container for, but knowing that because I've evolved and they haven't evolved or because they've evolved and I haven't evolved in some ways, we can't be who we thought we would be. And that's a loss, you know, and giving yourself grace to grieve that and to be upset about it. Um, And I think for some of my people, I've tried to fix it by being more vulnerable, by trying to like fast track that intimacy and saying, hey, listen, can't you see that I'm bleeding? Can't you see that I'm hurting? You know, and laid on them more than they were ready to carry. And that has driven them out. So I would say like, rather than trying to make those people go where you're going, because you can't take anyone where they're not willing to go. And if you're going sure. somewhere and you're on a path that is deconstructing and they're not on that path that is deconstructing, like they still want to stay where they've stayed, let them stay where they've stayed, but just be okay with the fact that that relationship will never look the same. And it's okay to, you know, I see all the posts on social media about how shallow it is to you know, lose people over political conversations or how shallow it is to like not talk to people because they don't agree with you in certain things. And I think for me, it's, it's not shallow at all to drop people because they don't see the world the same way as you do, because they don't have to see the world the same way as you do. They just have to give space and give room to the fact that the way that they see the world is not the only way. Sure. And if people don't have enough strength to do that because it takes a lot of strength then I know that they don't have what I need and so it's not selfish to look at people who have who look at the world in one way and say this is the only way that the world works if you're evolving from that like you just don't have a lot in common doesn't mean you can't you know they're still nice people you can still talk to them but as far as sharing your soul and sharing the things that matter they just will not be able to comprehend it and so there is a time to let go. And I think if you're stuck in this shift between, okay, like this is what I used to believe about the world. This is what I used to believe about people that looked like me or people that didn't look like me. Um, and I'm, that's changing and I don't really know where that will lead me. There's a lot of fear in that. And so I would say own that fear because it is really scary. You don't know who you'll be on the other side. And I think that was my biggest fear deconstructing was I didn't know what I would believe on the other side. I didn't know if I could truly look in the face of bad and not be changed by it and still be a kind, soft person. And so that was my big fear as I was shifting was, 
okay, I know that I'm, I no longer fit into these boxes. I don't know where I'm going to be and I don't know where I'm going to fit and I don't know what boxes will define me in the future. But this is where I am today and I'm in this middle point. Brene Brown calls it day two and there's, you can't go back, you can't go front, you're just stuck there. It's just mm-hmm. yourself in day two and not try to escape it, not try to fast track the process, but trust that there is, that the divine is leading you and that the divine Jesus, God, whatever you refer to as your spiritual authority will lead you where you need to go. I love that. Any last words of wisdom? Um, yeah. So I'll share this note, like a little piece that I wrote to myself since we're talking about surviving. Um, I think it's key, you know, I've said it over and over again, but just being with yourself in that moment as you're going through the process um, of just surviving and moving through different things um and something that i do well is i journal and i write myself little notes so i wrote myself a note a few weeks ago um and well a few months ago now but it's i I titled it for days when you feel like you can't do anything right and the world is against you and it starts by saying so salem on days when you just want to cry sleep eat ice cream at the same damn time (laughs) On days when you feel overextended but still have so much work to do, remember that you have been to the depths of hell and back. You've survived against all odds. You've exceeded expectations. You are okay and you will keep being okay. Grieve whatever you need to grieve, but persist again because the sun rises and shines every day, whether it is acknowledged or not. You will rise and shine. And that was just a reminder to myself to hope even when. I don't feel like hoping and I can't see and I'm stuck in the middle. And I've come back to those words so many times when I'm stuck in the middle, just to remind myself that, Hey, you know, you've had worse days, you've had better days and today you're stuck in the middle, but you will see yourself on the other side. That's a promise. You know, there's always going to be their rhythms and their cycles to life. And so if you're in, in, if you're in hell right now, you will see the light of day again. That's it. I love that. That's the piece is beautiful and it's so true and um it's just inspiring and you are inspiring so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge who you are apart from what you do mm-hmm. because who you are is a light in a place of darkness um because you have light within you and I really appreciate that you have been unapologetically you. And even when that has not been, quote unquote, the popular choice, you have still done that and you have done it with grace, dignity, and integrity. And not everyone does that. I think one of the the problems with what's going on is people have voted in such a way that they say, well, they, that person tells it like it is. I mean, that is not a positive, like in that context, that's not a positive. Now in the sense of your life, you do share from an authentic, loving, tolerant, graceful place, um, which is different than, I just tell it like it is. So I just want to honor and appreciate and acknowledge that you add value to the community. Thank you. 
Absolutely. All right. So let's pick a couple of stories. And thank you for coming on again. My pleasure. All right. I'm looking for stories that I haven't read yet. And let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I guess I should probably do this ahead of time, but um, I'll do this one. I will do this one. So it's an older woman and she, she asked if I wanted to hear a poem she'd written when she was younger. At what age? She couldn't remember. She then recited it from memory. I had her repeat it several times so I could get all the words right. Were I to dream, then dream I would, of days that have gone by. Your eyes would gleam, and so would mine, but joys remembered are so no longer mine. I walk in a garden of memory, reliving the joys and the sorrows as well. I walk with a cane down memory lane. Perhaps their joys remembered will remain. Perhaps when my hair has turned to gray and my face is etched with pain, I'll walk with a cane down memory lane. Perhaps their, perhaps their joys remembered will remain. So, friends, I want to thank you for your love and support of this podcast. Definitely rate, review it. Thank you especially to all of my guests from the Survivors series arc. This is the first time we're doing it. And because of overwhelming interest and people wanting to have a voice, um, because maybe their voice was taken at another time, people are in a different space, a healed space, or a currently healing recovery space and want to share their stories. So more stories to come. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So friends, have a gratitude-filled day. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie. This is the Type A Hippie Podcast. Chicas, episode 63. Namaste.